0: From the top of the charts to the dusty $1 bin and everything in between, it's time for another review on Life to Labyrinth. Hello, welcome to Life to Labyrinth podcast, our first episode, our teaser trailer, if you will. My name is Bryn.
1: (laughs) Sorry. I'm Steven.
0: Hey, Steven. (laughs)
1: How's it going, Bryn?
0: It's going well. It's going well. I'm excited to talk about music with you, talk about introducing music, and finding new things to chat about. Um, Just to intro our podcast a bit, I guess, we are just a couple of dads, we're not the exact same age. We're about 10 years apart in age, which I think is kind of cool, because it means that we have different tastes in music to a certain degree. Our high school exposure to popular music was was different and stuff. And so we've decided to share our interest and our love of music with each other and with you. So if you're joining us for our first episode, or if you're swinging back from later stuff to see where we started, welcome. And this week, to start us off, we're starting off with a an EP by Eliza and the Delusionals called A State of Living in an Objective Reality. For me, this is a re-listen. This is something I suggested, and uh, Stephen, this this was uh, your first listen to this band.
1: Yeah, that's right. I hadn't I hadn't heard of this band at all until you had suggested it to me, and then right, of course, as soon as you did, it made the process of like kind of picking through some of their songs. But no, I think it was a, it was a really good suggestion. I wasn't sure what to expect, but so far I've been pleasantly surprised for sure. Yeah, um, I honestly don't remember
0: how I found them. Um, I it could be something that I shazammed from a television show or it could have been you know something I I heard at the grocery store or something I don't really listen to the radio anymore so you know like we were we were talking about kind of before we started recording one of the biggest surprises I think we both had is finding out how popular this band has become
1: yeah absolutely like when you first mentioned them i did a bit of digging and you know pretty immediately saw they were you know this small indie band coming out of like brisbane australia and i was expecting some decent reach but i wasn't expecting to kind of see this like explosion onto the charts that we're seeing with this the, the first track in this ep
0: yeah i i looked at an interview from them and it, and it looks like it wasn't really until they came to the us in any way shape or form that they really started to experience a lot of success and it's been a huge explosion for them in 2020. Not the greatest year to build a following through live performance, but I mean, yeah, I guess- what I saw in an...
1: Oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say like, kudos to them for making it work. Like, um, like you said, uh, I did a bit of digging and yes, this band started. Eliza was 19, 2016, when they founded it. Their guitarist is just a childhood friend, bassist, started as somebody they you know they met in university and i think i found an interview with eliza herself saying that like they didn't realize what impact they had had overseas they were seeing a bit of success in australia i know they a, they did a bit of touring with uh killing heidi who used to be a number one grunge band in australia and eliza said it wasn't until they landed in the states in this brand new foreign country they had never seen before when people started running up and being like, hey, can I have your autograph? Give me photos. Can we take a selfie? And I, I can't even imagine what kind of almost like culture shock on top of that intense surprise you would get.
0: Yeah, because, you know, the I think the most famous sort of exposure to that would be when the Beatles came over in 1964. But they were already a huge deal in England and in Europe. And like they, the surprise for them was that they were as popular in the U S as they were not that they were largely unknown where they came from and suddenly found this unexpected fame already existing when they arrived in the United States. So it's a really cool story
1: that, I mean, on top of it all, them all being, I think Eliza's 23 as of this year, like that's, that's always amazing to me um, to, to really find what you want to do in life and then just, to stick with it and to have it work out. And that's always incredible.
0: Yeah. And, you know, as somebody at my age, I'm 36 now, if I'm remembering right. To think, you know, I'm sort of at that age where I'm old enough to start being aware of how young famous artists are when they wrote songs. You know, I think in one of the songs, one of the lines is, you know, is so this is what 22 feels like. And, you know, for me as someone who's pushing 40 at this point. It, uh, it just seems so long ago and it seems so cool that like they're doing what they're doing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even at 27, when I think what I was doing four years ago, absolutely nowhere close to the kind of kind of commitment to self that we're seeing. And you see it a lot, I guess, in the especially like indie bands. Though I suppose that's probably goes a long way to saying why they're, they're indie. Yeah, these, especially with the predominance of YouTube now and social media where you're starting to see these people just follow their dreams at 1920, 21. It was really cool to kind of go back and see that that's kind of always been the trend something like you said I never would have myself assumed but I've realized that a lot of even if they didn't start making it big a lot of the artists I've loved my whole life started writing songs and started performing small gigs in their early 20s
0: yeah and admittedly I think probably one of the biggest differences between them and and us is that by 23 we were parents
1: yeah that's very true
0: (laughs) (laughs) so unless you're going to be like Mick Fleetwood and just you know screw off and just go be in the band <laughs> and then, uh, some of those freedoms kind of disappear and you know the financial ability to save money and travel across the world like doesn't exist anymore because you got to buy diapers but oh it's really cool it's really cool to look back and compare what what these guys are doing versus uh what a boring old person who became a parent at 20 was doing
1: yeah absolutely right i mean <laughs> hey I, I became one at 17 i really jumped the ship on that one <laughs>
0: No judgment here on that. That's good.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I totally could have been a rock star if I hadn't had John. That's 100%. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what that's, I tell that's, myself.
0: That's that's a, a stone face certainty. I, uh, I originally was going to do radio broadcasting in school because I realized my rock star days were never going to happen. And uh, here I am, many, many years later, as an IT professional. So that didn't work either.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's sobering and sad the way you put it. Like your dreams were gone. But I think it's cool that you at least, you know, you, you pursued what kind of avenues you could to keep you close to that industry. Yeah. Whereas like, honestly, I've, I've always loved music, but it wasn't really till we started talking that I noticed that like, I've really loved music. I love just sitting and listening and thinking about kind of how did this song come to be and who did they listen to when they were growing up? I guess that it really kind of hit me how uh, how much impact what we listen to and like the pop culture that surrounds those songs really shapes who we end up being.
0: Yeah. And the more we have discussed, you know, our musical tastes or, you know, how our parents introduced us and stuff and how it sort of set us off on this journey to discover who we are as, you know, music fans and as people who love it as a topic or, or not a profession, but just
1: <laughs> I, I know what you mean though, but like like a, almost like a just like a passion, like
0: yeah. a hobby. Passion's a good word for it. So before we rat hole too badly, let's get back to to the album. So it is an EP. It has five songs on it. They're all originals by Eliza and the Delusionals. As far as I know, I don't think any of them are covers.
1: Yeah, as far as I could tell, um, Eliza writes all their songs herself.
0: Yeah, I think I don't know if it worked out that way. Um, Unfortunately, with these smaller bands, you know, as we both kind of found out, Getting details on, you know, which songs were written first or how they came about or, you know, how they were recorded or produced and over what period of time is difficult to figure out. But I think for me, it's very, it feels very much like they had Just Exist and then needed to package that song with something else.
1: Yeah, see, like, I don't know. Whereas I like Just Exist. uh, I think it's I think it's a really smart opening track on that EP. Um, You can feel the kind of almost Western influences on it. Like it sounds, it's very reminiscent to me of a Blink-182 track, that alternative kind of poppy bordering on punk, which I for sure have no qualms about, but I did notice the sound as you kind of carry through seems to be a bit inconsistent. And I'm not sure if that, is that them experimenting with what they want to kind of stick to? Or yeah, was it, just exist happened and i'm pretty sure it released as a single first and then they were like oh crap this single like just went number 1 what do we put on this ep with it
0: yeah um i would agree that for me it sounds very like grungy i don't i, I didn't get a blink 182 vibe off of it i would say i got more of a blink 182 sort of pop punk vibe off the rest of the songs this one felt very much almost like you know loud quiet dynamics of grunge music and building to a crescendo at the
1: end i will say that structure wise um very reminiscent of like early 90s grunge but i think like too even just kind of popping through the discography listening to prep up to this you can you can feel that influence through kind of all of the songs they do for sure like to me right away it was like 1990s nirvana um 90 what 98 99 foo fighters was kind of you could feel it infused in each track a little bit of like Fleetwood Mac Throwing in here or there For a bit of that like Psychedelic feel Whereas on this one I found that like This album Felt more Just kind of as a whole Felt more Alternative rock to me Than it did grunge I know that's kind of a, Like a, a fine line We're already walking on But I felt to me like Grunge was the influence But I didn't I did personally didn't really Feel much grunge In the songs themselves I think out of all of them Pull Apart Heart I think was the one That really struck me as Very Nirvana-esque like you said, that that really good blend of like soft hard, this like high pitched sweet vocals mixed with the sometimes like unabashedly honest lyrics, all kind of building up. You get that little like peak. You come down a bit, and then you crescendo into the end.
0: You had talked about her lyrics, and I really like the way that her lyrics are really personal. They're sort of like Amy Winehouse lyrics, almost in that sense, where like she it seems like she's really working through things in her life through her songs, and she's not afraid to kind of deal with them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of my favorite interviews I was actually able to find with them. Eliza spoke about "Pull Apart Heart," which I think personally might actually be one of my favorite songs on this EP. Um, and about how yeah, this was "Pull Apart Heart." Part of it was the consequence of this sudden rise to fame, the stress and the in like the crazy changes in dynamic it causes in your your personal life and in your career and how she felt like her heart was being pulled in all these different directions and you can kind of like you said you can kind of feel that through all of her lyrics that they're they're all clearly very close to home very clearly personal and i i always i think that's incredible
0: yeah no i think it's great for her to have like the ability to to jot that down at her age and kind of make it resonate with somebody you know my age you know I, when i listen to a lot of like Music written by 22 year olds, 23 year olds now that's sort of quote unquote popular, even if it sort of traditionally falls into music that I would listen to, like alternative or, you know, guitar based rock music and stuff like that. Um, I still find a lot of it and I just can't really get there on a lyrics level, even if the music's pretty good. It's just like, kind of really sucks me out of it because it's just the problems that they're talking about or the things that they're discussing are just so like foreign to me at this point. But she's kind of hitting kind of universal topics, which I think is great.
1: She does a really good job of she's relaying things from her own personal life, but she's relaying them in a way that is just so universal. Yeah. Half empty girl, I think, is an incredible song.
0: I don't know if I heard that one, because on cause I'm not sure if you and I were listening to different versions of the same EP, because this the EP I have, track listing is swimming pool, pull apart heart, just exist, alive, and feel Feel It All and Nothing.
1: Oh, how did I end up on a different version of the EP? So I heard all of them. My version has Just Exist, which was released as a single, so they must have just repackaged it. The only one my version was missing, though, is Feel It All.
0: That's weird, because I just listened to it on Spotify.
1: And then it looks like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I just ended up on, (laughs) I might have ended up on, like, somebody might have put together their own version of the EP on Spotify.
0: I see all those as singles.
1: Yeah, Swing Pool, Pull Apart, Just Exist, Alive, Feel It All and Nothing. So yeah, wherever I ended up was obviously the wrong corner of Spotify, <laughs> but the first four tracks are the same. They, mine's just in a different order. The final track, Feel It All, actually, I didn't listen to because I <laughs> I somehow ended up on the wrong album. Okay. Uh,
0: it's, good. it's a good track. I would say it owns the EP well. Because yeah, when you were talking earlier about Just Exist being the first track, I, I didn't really want to jump on that, but I was like, no, it's not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you totally should have. I don't know how I made that mistake. But see, this track list makes way more sense to me. I was kind of, after kind of going into their back catalog, once we started listening to them, I was a little disappointed that this, a state of living in an objective reality didn't feel as solid a concept album as their first one did. The Deeper End, which they released in 2017, is start to finish an incredible concept. Like it's it's a personal story of a relationship with its highs and lows. The order I was listening to these tracks in felt kind of disjointed. They didn't make much sense to me. But looking at them now, that makes way more sense. And yeah, like the album starts off with that kind of feeling like you're stuck and you're you're not sure what to do next. You just know something needs to happen into the conflict of having all these different emotions and avenues in your life you have to pursue or close off. Yeah. And then having it build up to, well, all I've heard up to was alive. But I imagine feel it all is probably a perfect capstone for it.
0: It is good. It's a shame that you didn't get a chance to listen to it before we recorded.
1: Yeah, I think it,
0: it does build. It's a it's a good package. I find for me, like we were talking about just exist, I find it's placed well as third song, but I find that listening to the back three songs instead of the first two, Pull Apart Heart is really good, but I find Swimming Pool and Pull Apart Heart, the production on them, I find her voice gets washed out a lot. See
1: yeah, I noticed that on um I noticed it on Swimming Pool a lot more, but I do agree with that. The vocals did get washed out, and I think that's a shame because I think such a strong part of this this band's kind of presence comes from those those vocals.
0: Yeah, like just exist for me the best part of it is that her vocals are front and center and that she builds and builds and builds. Um, until you know the big ending, where she really, really pushes her voice in a way that she doesn't get even close to in any other song on this record. For me, it's very reminiscent of Lazy Eye by Silver Sun Pickups, the way that Just Exist builds. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. I could, I could see that. And you know, branch off into a fun little kind of side trivia. Actually, uh, Silver Sun Pickups just recruited Eliza and the Delusionals to help them with their tour. I think it was planned for this year, but I imagine with. You know, the global pandemic and all, it's been pushed back. Yeah. Um, but when Just Exist hit number one on Sears XM's Alt Nation, it was announced that the Silver Sun pickups actually were going to kind of pay to fly them out and have them be their opening band on their next tour. That'd be
0: really cool. I would definitely go see that. It would be, that'd be a good show. But yeah, for me, the songs are, I think, structurally so similar that when I think of Just Exist, it's Lazy Eye that comes into my head. I don't know why, but I can recall Lazy Eye when I try and think of Just Exist. When I hear Just Exist, I'm like, "This is a great song, love it." But to recall it, I find it difficult to recall. And Lazy Eye by Silver Sun Pickups is all that my brain can like bring me to. I don't yeah, know why. I,
1: I can see that. Oh, absolutely. If if I was driving down the road and one of those two songs popped on the radio, I it would take me a solid I don't know, 15, 20 seconds. To even attempt to recognize which one it was which i get but is it's also kind of a shame right like i think eliza brings a different kind of almost energy to the tracks that she's on but that one just like i said, i think that's part of why it had such a huge appeal with their u.s audience right is that it just it sounds so familiar to north american audiences
0: yeah i'd, I'd agree with that the interesting thing will be to see where they go from here
1: I am very I am very excited to see kind of where their career path goes I I loved every track I listened to of this band um they're solidly one of my new favorite artists um, because I think they make for a really good they're like an, an almost like a modern modern version of like what grunge and alt rock could have been sometimes when I listen to their songs it feels like I'm listening to bands like Nirvana being the you know the biggest example I'm listening to them. A decade later. If they had come along 10, 15 years after they did, I feel like this is the kind of sound we would have landed on. They definitely
0: feel like a band that would have been on tour at that time. When you think of the post-punk stuff that was out then, the Riot Girl stuff that was out then, I, I could very easily see them fitting very comfortably into all of that. I don't know if they would have made it to number one on the Alternative Hot 100 in those days. I think the fact that they're sort of different now, because let's let's be honest, like rock, rock music is dead. It's never going to be anything close to what it was. And the early 90s grunge and alternative music was probably its last real big kick at the can.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think you find that with Rock's Dead, So's Punk. And it lives on. It lives on in new forms. And I think, yeah, it's a really good way of putting it. I think this is the new kind of the next stage of where like, that kind of alt grunge rock goes. And I think Eliza and the delusionals are a good band to be kind of spearheading this rebirth um, and this new, like modern attempt at that kind of early nineties rock, but it'll never be what it was. And that's just trying to do that is just a recipe for disaster. If a band today released, you know, Francis East Bay nights, it wouldn't sound even remotely close and it wouldn't, it wouldn't capture the same lifestyle and pop culture that, influence those songs because that pop culture is gone and it'll it'll never be back
0: yeah also the this you know sociological conditions that created things like punk and and post-punk girl groups and stuff like that that doesn't exist anymore either you know there's all kinds of new problems that new angry music is going to come out about you know this past you know the pandemic. Is going to be huge for music. But, you know, the fact that, you know, you're never going to get a band like The Slits again. And you're never going to get, you know, a band like Sonic Youth again. And you're never going to get a band like L7 or, you know, any of those. Bikini Kill. Like, they just, like, Eliza and the Delusionals is is just, for me, feels like the next logical progression. Like, it's been 25 years since, you know, those bands kind of had their moment and this is where that music went to this is you know where you know the riot girl movement went to here
1: yeah this is the music that was born from those tracks right in the same way that you know velvet underground birthed a whole new genre of funk punk music almost like that weird experimental and then like iggy pop and the stooges were influenced by underground but then rancid was influenced by pop i think yeah this is this is where we're going to start seeing the birth of bands influenced by people by like L7 and Bush Those ones you just, we don't really hear about anymore. And we don't, we don't see on the tracks anymore because 20, 30 years on that music's just kind of, it lives on in those of us who grew up with it, but to the new generation, it'll always be classic rock quote unquote. Yeah. Like
0: yeah. Classic rock or, you know, old, not cool music anymore. You know, yeah
1: as my nine-year-old says, old people, jams, old
0: people, jams, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I mean it's we're gonna get there on the podcast, I'm sure, but you know I think they're a great band. I think everything that I've heard from them, I would I can't pick out a song that I would skip. I can't pick out a song that I would say I didn't like it. I've listened to the other I've listened to what is it, the deeper end?
1: Uh yeah. Deeper end was their first E P.
0: Yeah, I've listened to it a couple of times. I didn't I can't say that there's any songs on that I don't like either. So I think they're a really strong band. I mean, obviously, they don't have a full-length album out yet. They don't have a whole lot of discography yet. But I think the way they're doing it is actually really smart because they're growing their sound. They're growing their songwriting abilities. They're figuring out how to record. uh, They're figuring out how they want to sound. And they're figuring out sort of how to be a band at the level that they've found themselves to be without having the weight and the obligation of, you know, a 14 or 15 song full
1: length album. Yeah, I think I I think overall I agree. There wasn't I didn't the only song I didn't listen to at this point, because I did actually well, we were talking, go and pop, feel it all in the background. The only song I haven't listened to now is The Ground, which was their first single. Um I just never quite made it down to there. But from everything I've heard, it's a it's a really solid sound. And between the deeper end and a state of living, I didn't find that they're their sound changed drastically. I just found the production clearly changed just in overall terms of quality. Their new EP sounds much more like a produced album than their first one did, which gave me a lot of almost like garage rock vibes to it. But yeah, there wasn't a single song I I skipped right. or kind of jumped through. They all had that really good blend of intimate real lyrics that were very kind of, they, that they resonated with me very well and a sound that, I could throw any of their songs on in the background, no matter what I was doing. And I find my foot tapping along to it and just kind of enjoying that, that beat they were, they were bringing.
0: Yeah. I had them on in the car with my four and seven year old and it wasn't, you know, turn this off. It was, who is this? What's this song? You know, what's this song called? What's this band? Like they were interested in it. Whereas some of the stuff I play in the car, it's just turn it off or can we listen to something else? And... <laughs> yeah. I know that feeling. <laughs> no, Sorry. <laughs> You know, this is uh, my car, and we're listening to this this time. I've listened to the Wiggles enough for you.
1: <laughs> oh, the old, glorious Wiggles. Maybe we'll do one of their albums.
0: Oh, well, you just had a baby, man. You're, you have to go through it all over again. Oh, and I am just so excited. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen them in concert yet? I've seen them in concert. I have seen them in concert. I've also seen, what is it, the Backyardigans? <laughs> I've seen the Backyardigans. I saw Tupi and Binu in
1: concert at a mall Oh, God, I would like of all of all the children's shows i i had to go through with john toopy and Binu, i think least favorite i don't know if it was the animation style but something about that show just always like horrified me in a very like deep way
0: <laughs> the the mouse with the cat cat who has yeah, like the, right? the rag doll patchy patch toy it's it's an interesting experience for sure yeah, <laughs> yeah um we're getting way off topic here but uh, i don't really care and i I'd, I'd have to say My biggest love-hate relationship with one of those kids' shows was the old Max and Ruby.
1: Oh, wow, yeah.
0: I couldn't stand Ruby at all, but Max's deep, burning, silent hatred for her really spoke to me. (laughs) And to this day, Max is hands down one of my most favorite cartoon characters. Like, his breaking the fourth wall when she, like... Makes him wait to eat because her dollies are learning first aid or some stupid thing.
1: or he just, he gives you that like gym from the office, just thousand yards stare into the camera. Yeah,
0: or like the side eye and stuff. <laughs> there is, um, I'm dating myself and I'm, I'm making myself sound like a real millennial, but I think there's a cracked list. And it's like, there's like six or eight times Max the Bunny's cold hatred was all of us and it kind of pops up in like social media memories for me now and every year it just makes me laugh like every single time
1: that's incredible i i was a you know a pretty devout user of the cracked website but i don't think i ever had the pleasure of reading that one
0: it's worth it it's worth it it's just it's just amazing getting back on topic though hey. <laughs> i'm not sure if i'm honest if i have much more to say about this ep i think it's all great i think just exist is where i I started from i must have heard it on the radio i must have heard it in a tv show or something and it was one of those albums where i really felt like everything but just exist felt like filler and then i started listening to it over and over and over again and you know this like pull apart heart i was really like not crazy about. And then the more I listened to it, the more I liked it, you know, alive and feel it all in nothing. You know, I think the production on those is a bit better. I think her voice comes out for me, the biggest story production wise and the biggest story in terms of listening to the album as a package is that she starts out really washed out in swimming pool. And then by the time you get to the end, her voice is being put more front and center. Like she's powering the hell out of it by the end of Just Exist, and I feel like Alive and Feel It All and Nothing, they are mixed better so that she's sort of front and center, because she's supposed to be. Because this obviously is a band where they're not there to show off the musical abilities of the lead guitarist or anything like that. There's There's really not any guitar solos to speak of. There really aren't a whole lot of musical breaks to speak of. These are songs where the voice and the words are the driving force behind all of it it's not music that they wrote and then put words over top of this is very obviously a song she wrote with words and music and they've built it up as a band. And you know, if there's anything that I would hope for on the next EP or full length album, whatever they come out with would be her voice is not sort of lost in the mix at all. I think she has a really great voice and I hope that, uh, we hear more performances of it similar to just exist than her sort of serving the song which which isn't bad she's got a great voice and and she needs to it needs to be showcased especially when they don't have big musical breaks or guitar
1: solos yeah for sure like as far as final thoughts kind of go same thing now that i've gotten the chance to put it in order and really listen through it. One kind of fun, interesting thing I think is that because I hadn't listened to any of their songs before, I didn't quite have that disconnect between Just Exist and the rest of the songs kind of falling into that over replaying. Mm-hmm. I found that like, I'm a sucker. I gave I gave them a lot more credit for like the washed out vocals in that it almost feels like the vocals start out washed out in, you know, swimming pool. And then that's a song about being kind of lost in yourself and feeling like your head's underwater. And then the vocals kind of slowly mix their way back in until they peak right there at the end and feel it all or nothing saying that actually though neither of those were pull apart heart for some reason was just that was the one that got me that was a song I kind of kept feeling myself coming back to it just it had that sound for me vocally though I will say um I think feel it all is my favorite song for her vocals because they really really shine through and like you said this is one of those bands that that's. Clearly they're like their keystone. That's what's really powerful about the sound they're going to be bringing. And it's something even Eliza had said um, in an interview is that forming this band took her years because she had such a hard time finding people who just were willing to just be part of an indie band. You know, she rates the music, she plays the guitar, she does the vocals. I couldn't find any like confirmed services, but it sounds like she did a bit of the production on their, their first EP. These songs are truly the product of Eliza. And I think giving her that spotlight is great. And I think having those strong like female vocals over a track is something we haven't really gotten in quite a long time. So it's refreshing to hear it again. And yeah, like I think whether the next one's a five track EP, like the last two, or whether it's a full 12 song album, I'm totally in and I'm really excited to see what they come up with. I just hope that their like American label as it is doesn't overproduce their songs. Because that's that's a problem we see with big companies like APA who are just backing artists and trying to churn out these chart toppers.
0: Yeah, I would hope that production wise She's never auto-tuned. I would hope that there's not too much Pro Tools. Like, I'm going to assume that they're kind of largely do-it-yourself. They may have a producer. They may have an engineer. It's hard to say. But they're probably largely do-it-yourself. And I think it has that magic of, like, old music where it's not all perfect. And it's not auto-tuned. And it's not Pro Tooled to hell. You sit there and, like, watch those Metallica documentaries where they're like, let's just take this drum sound from when you hit it this time and just reproduce it over the whole song
1: yeah for sure i like that if matched with how like intimate and clearly personal the lyrics are having that very authentic i've always called it like garage sound myself that very authentic not first try but clearly you know not produced sound to back up those lyrics i think goes a really long
0: way um i'd be really interested i haven't bothered to look and see if there's any decently recorded live footage of this band to see what they sound like live
1: i couldn't find anything decent i found a lot of like cell phone footage and 1995 rca handheld camera footage but that was that's all i could come up with
0: yeah um i'd love to see them live i would love to see them or even just her do one of those tiny desk shows if you're familiar with those
1: yeah oh absolutely i'd pay whatever they wanted me to i think that would be an incredible experience
0: yeah, I love to hear what she sounds like live. I love to hear what these songs sound like live just to see if they're as good as they sound on record. I I want to believe that they do. I want to believe that she can sing. I want to believe that they're the real deal. That would be my hope.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um I'm thinking with the like US success of Just Exist, I'm hoping we'll start eventually seeing them tour kind of as the headliners. If they ever swing up through up north here in Canada, I would absolutely love to go see them cuz I think it'd be really interesting to kind of, to just feel kind of what presence they have on stage.
0: Yeah. Maybe they'll hit the starlight room or something really cool and intimate.
1: That would, I think that would be a perfect venue for them. Yeah. Something, you know, nice, but not, we're not talking an arena of 30,000 people. It's like kind of 100 people max, just really intimate set, uh, kind of take it at their own pace. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'd prefer to hear them, I think in that venue, than K-Days or something. For those of you who are listening who are not from Edmonton where we are, K-Days is like our big expo fair thing. where there's bands and rides and midway and uh, the starlight room is a small venue sort of downtown in an old building you can go see like indie bands there i saw too many zoos there so yeah i'd I'd love to see them hundred couple hundred people small venue just see what they sound like with you know a a moderately sized pa where she's going to be the star just see what she sounds like in an intimate setting like that because it seems like a really it's probably i would guess unless the you know prior to them having a, a number one song but again it's an alternative number one song so I don't really know what that does for a band anymore you know you think back in the day like Finn Lizzie got a number one song and they were like in limos playing stadiums I, I feel like that's probably not the case anymore
1: that's true and with it being with it being like Sirius XM's alt nation channel especially mid kind of this pandemic I think a lot of the numbers they're tracking are going to be digital plays and that's still great. It's still a really good marker for how well people are receiving them, but, right? It would be infinitely more interesting to kind of see how they do out in the wild, so to speak, and kind of see where this, for now, momentary, like, explosion in fame brings them yeah
0: absolutely i think if she doesn't blow it and i i think if you know because it's eliza and the delusionals i think of it's her band obviously and it's her that's famous you know you can think of even like Billie eilish Yes, her brothers every bit as important but she's the star and she will be maintained as such whether phineas is part of it or not um and i think eliza is going to be the same story if it's her with an acoustic guitar um, in a coffee shop, or them on stage at, at uh, you know Coachella or some crazy music festival. Like I, it's it's her band. Nobody's gonna be there to see anybody other than her, and I would definitely go. But yeah, I'd rather see them. I think in a smaller venue than
1: oh yeah definitely
0: yeah it uh, it at the beginning it it's, it hits sort of like you know any kind of nameless indie alternative band. It's just like okay, I'm glad there aren't too many songs, and then you listen to them and you just put him back on again and listen to him again. He was to again. That's great. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my thoughts. I think they're great. Eliza, if you're listening, show off that voice some more in your next recordings and uh come to Edmonton, play some small venues when COVID's over. You'll have at least us
1: there. If nothing we, else, you know, you'll have these we did two a podcast <laughs> about you. rocking out in the front row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm really excited, really excited for like, what we're going to find. Cause this was a, I, I heard the first kind of couple beats of one of their songs and was like, yeah, I kind of dig it. It's not bad. And then three, four songs in, I was just totally sold.
0: All right. I think for a teaser episode.
1: Yeah. I think we did a pretty good job and I like kind of just some of the side routes we ended up taking there. Like we're dads through and through. There's no doubt about that. Oh yeah. But yeah, I think, I think we're at a pretty good kind of, since we talked about kind of all the songs where, how we feel about them, like personally, how they fit into the album.
0: Yeah, um do you have thoughts on what you wanna to listen to next? I suggested this. Do you have do you have something to suggest? Um
1: Damn it. <laughs> Caught me unprepared. No, oh, if you don't, it's fine. I did. I did have a, a band set aside. Um, but then I let somebody else take over my Spotify and it's gone now. <laughs> Alright, I will hit you up with what we got last night like next. Because there was one, um, Demon Dice, I really like, but they're, I don't know if they're A, how much they're going to be your speed, but they've also got like four albums. So if we're going to do them, we're going to have to pick one of them. Yeah. But they're my new, like, new favorite thing. They popped up on one of my like random recommendations and I just, I love it. It's this wicked blend of like J-pop and techno and like a little bit of like alt punk. It's just a weird sound and I, I love it. <laughs>
0: Hey, I'm here for it. You know, the uh, the point of this is to listen to everything and all things. So as as we go along, we're going to hit some pretty weird and eccentric corners of the music world. And we're going to probably listen to some of these records that we've talked about today. Um, you know, at some point we are going to review a Nirvana. We're going to talk about the Beatles. We're going to talk about the Ramones and... We're going to talk about all that stuff, but we're going to try and take a look at it in terms of listening to it for what it is and not the hype. And when we get to the Ramones, we'll probably just listen to an album that we've never listened to before. Uh, something else we're going to be doing is listening to and reviewing live albums, if we can find them, from artists as we go through the month. So the idea being we're going to listen to three albums or an EP or whatever over the course of a month. And then in week four, we're going to pick one of those bands and find some live stuff and talk about what they were like live. Because much like we were discussing with Eliza, it's difficult in the world today with Pro Tools and how everything can basically be manufactured to know what a band and what an artist is really like if you can't find them live and it's pretty obvious when stuff is lip synced it's pretty obvious when people are playing the backing tracks entirely when artists and the guitarists aren't playing and the drummer's not playing and we're gonna try and find some like real honest to God live albums and live performances and see how these bands shake down when they're standing on a stage in front of an audience so we hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope you'll join us again for something a bit longer and something Completely different.
1: Thanks for listening. Come back next
0: time. Bye, Steven. Bye, Bryn. Thanks for listening to Life to Labyrinth podcast. Theme music by Devin Rose. Find Devin on Bandcamp or any streaming service. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Life2Labyrinth.